0: I trust you were able to meet and greet a lot of folks that maybe you might not have known before. I'm glad you guys are all here this morning. This is a big morning for us. I mean, for RBC as a church, this is huge for us. Um, this is the day that we get to install our first deacons. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right, Manny. Clap, Clap, man. Clap, man. This is a big day for us. We've been praying for this for close to six years now. Um, And we are just so excited uh, of what God's going to do in this next chapter in our church. And we're excited to go there with you uh, to be an impact for Christ, to reach folks for Christ. To, our, to grow ourselves in Christ. So would you turn with me? We're going to go and look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. The high calling of lowly service to Christ. This is deacons in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, I, I see we have a new pulpit. How did that happen? No one bought one, right? We just got it, huh? We just had a new pulpit here. All right. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Why don't we pray? Father in heaven, this is a momentous day. And Father, you look at this as a good day. A day that helps us as a church, a day that honors you as we organize ourselves in the way that Christ would want us ordered. And Father, we thank you so much for elders and deacons in the local church. That has That is how you desire to shepherd your people, to care for your people. I have been the recipient of... Many times of the ministries of elders and deacons, godly elders and godly deacons. And we pray this morning, Father, that that would be the same experience of folks at RBC. We pray, Father, that you would bless this time. This is a holy, honored time for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There is no greater decision in the life of a church... Than the selection of its leaders. No greater decision. The leaders set the pace. The leaders set the vision. The leaders set the example of life. To exemplify service and character. The selection of leaders very often. Either prepares the church for greater usefulness. In its locale. Or it Can detract from and harm the spread of the gospel in that area. We know time and time and time again of many examples of failed leadership, of unfaithful leadership that has hurt the church, that has hurt saints, that has hurt Christians, some still reeling, some still having difficulty going back to the local church. Appointing the wrong men can be disastrous. We are not to choose the the, the body of Christ, are not to choose its leaders by those who are successful in business, those who are successful in their jobs, those who have business acumen. We are to choose our leaders by what the scriptures tell us to emphasize and that is in the character of these men. Christ can use the right men greatly for his work. And so let me read the text. Right after he talks about elders, these are the only two offices in the local church. And he says here in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 8, Deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife, good managers of their children, and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing And a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now I have two applications for us. Two preaching points actually for us. And the reason being is because I want to speak specifically to our brothers. Andre Enriquez over there. Can you raise your hand Andre? And then Ty DaCosta where is he? Over there. Okay. And so you're going to say, Angelo, you're not supposed to have two preaching points. I know. Okay? But every once in a while, I, once in a while, as I break the rules. And the reason being is because this is really written for the local church. How to select its leaders. But I also want to do it as, a, as an application, as a charge to both Andre and Ty, uh, who we will be bringing up forward. So to the church... This is really the, the, the true application as it is in the text. God gave this passage to you this morning so that you would appoint, encourage, and pray for the deacons. So that RBC would appoint, encourage, and pray for the deacons. Andre and Ty, God gave this passage to you this morning so that you would glorify Christ by serving as deacons of Redeemer Bible Church. That would be the direct application preaching point from the text. Now, before we go on, he says here, deacons likewise must be men of dignity. The word deacon comes from the same word group, from diaconos, or you could say diakoneo, or diakonia. These are all the same word groups pertaining to service. In a general sense, when we talk about deacons, oftentimes when we talk to people, what do deacons do? A lot of times people go, I don't know, what do deacons do? They set up chairs, they sweep, maybe that's what deacons do, and in fact, that's not what the scripture says at all. Deacons, um, the word deacon is found over a hundred times all over the New Testament, in a general sense, it's used in a general sense, and it's used in a technical sense, okay? In a general sense, it's used as administration. Sometimes it's translated administration. Sometimes it's translated to render service. Sometimes it's translated to support or to wait on, as in a table waiter, or to take care of. Sometimes the noun form of the word is translated as minister or servant. Sometimes it's given for preparations or relief or support. All of that is Uh, all of that is part of the same word group. In John chapter 2, it's used for table waiter. In Luke and John, it's used for serving food. In this general sense, yes, in this general sense, every Christian is a minister in that sense. Every Christian should be a deacon. We should not be living for ourselves. If Christ, in fact, died died for us and we are given to him and his lordship and his church, then we ought to be serving the local body in some capacity in a committed way for his glory. But in a technical sense, which is the way it's used here, and I suspect it's also used in Philippians chapter 1, in a technical sense, the word deacon is used to mean a recognized office in the local church. And you notice he, he says here, Um, In chapter 3 it is a trustworthy statement if any man aspires to the office of overseer it is a fine work that he does. And there we see that it's the word for overseer which we also say is the same person who is the elder is the same person who is a pastor. Here the word deacon now verse 8 he introduces the second office deacons. there uh these deacons would be leaders in the church in service and in mutual maturity, uh, in spiritual maturity, so what does a deacon do because the word is often translated as a lowly servant, something that deacons mean as we said, the one who sets up the chairs or cleans the bathrooms or vacuums that 's what a deacon is, and in fact, there's no such text right uh, The text uh, oftentimes uh People think that that's, since, that's the, uh, since that's the general use of the word, that that is exactly what the technical use of the word is. And that's not really the case. Deacons rather, as, we, as we'll see from the text, are assistants to the overseers. Which means they aid the elders and they free them up. As one author said, to stay focused on feeding and protecting the flock of God. So what's happening here is as the elders strategize and plan and focus on teaching and shepherding the flock of God, the deacons help the elders in the church's overall mission to glorify Christ in the edification of its saints and the propagation of the gospel. And how do they do that? They are the living hands that allow it to happen. They are the uh, living hands that administer the actual plans and its execution. Such that the preacher and the teacher and the elders and the overseers are not doing everything. They can't do everything. I'm actually, by the way, I'm, you guys kind of know this and I try not to be. But sometimes, some Sundays after I preach, I'm pretty much useless after that. I could probably have lunch, and I'm pretty much vegged out. My, my mind's gone. I'm tired, right? And this, you know that this church, and even as we started this church, you know, I said, I am not going unless you guys come. And We're not doing this because this is too much work. I could stay back home and teach us home Bible study, and I'll be just fine, Right? But God has called us to do this work, and He is bringing folks, and He is allowing us to have influence in the lives of people here for the cause of Christ. And how do we do this? God says the way you do this is you give, you pray, and you train, and you allow God to raise up elders and deacons. And these elders and deacons must be qualified. So, in this technical sense, the deacons are those who are the agency of the elders. That's a good word to use. The agency of the elders. In one lexicon, it's the one who gets something done at the behest of a superior or an assistant to someone. So in First uh, Timothy 3, 8, you notice deacons as an attendant or an assistant or an aide. In verse 12, you notice deacons must be... Husbands, this can be the, uh, the attendant or the assistant or the aide. There's no real indication of a commissioned messenger here. In deacons, it's not someone who's preaching and teaching necessarily. Although it doesn't mean that a deacon can't preach or teach. What it is saying is that this deacon is someone who is going to come to the aid of the elders. They're not a separate body of rule disconnected from the overse- overseers. Like here's the deacon body and here's the elder body and they war within the church. We're going to do this. We're No, we're not going to do this. We're going to do our own thing. They have their own mission. We have their own mission and implodes the church. We've, I've seen it time and time again when the deacons and the elders are not working together in unison for the glory of Christ. You can't get anything done. Now, folks will say, "Well, what's the use of these titles? That's so that's so worldly. That's why do we use titles?" You know what? You, you you would say that. You would say that, and it sounds so spiritual. I, I have a friend who's he has great Christology. He has great soteriology, the study of salvation. He has Absolutely awful ecclesiology. No view, no conception of the church. He said, Let's just get together, no titles, no, no, uh, let's just, uh, I'll preach and everything. Yeah, it works for a little bit until you have problems. And then you don't know who's doing what. And you don't know who is helping where. And then people have expectations, and those expectations are not met. And the church starts to create these stresses that. Are meant to be delegated and are meant to be in a healthy working environment, this is what is called the elders and the deacons. And so, what God has done is He said, This is how you must organize your church. You know how folks say, Well, I don't believe in organized religion. You hear, you hear them say that. Everybody says that, like they're some kind of original thinker. And yet, God says, No, the way I want my people to be is actually organized. I actually want officers. I actually want elders and I actually want deacons because this is how Christ amazing, think about this. This is how Christ mediates his care for you. It is amazing that he would use sinful men who have been redeemed by Christ. You you notice these deacons, it says nothing about their background in the sense of that they came from rich, a rich family, that they came from a a prominent family, it has nothing to do with that, that they came from uh, a a business background, it has nothing to do with that at all. In fact, the office of elders and deacons is open to anyone who, who God calls for uh, who have the character and the qualifications, but those qualifications are not in the worldly sense. God prepares these men by the I like to call the school of hard knocks. the very troubling times. the're very difficult times, and they keep serving Christ. And what happens is you and I are the beneficiaries. Of that service. So he says. They're not a. As I said. They're not a separate body of rule. Disconnected from overseers. Deacons are the fully endorsed. And recognized leaders. In the church. To carry out the mission and plan. As given by the elders. As they seek. As the elders themselves. Seek to follow Christ. This is so much more. Brothers and sisters. Than set up the chairs. Do you see so much more than pick up the rags in the bathroom that the kids forgot to put in trash? This is a, an exalted view of lowly service as we seek to be an influence together as a church in this community. Now, Who are these men? How how does the church know these men? How can the church recognize these men? There are three very important components outlined in this passage regarding deacons. Okay, so these deacons are the assistants to the elders. Now, for the church, RBC, you are to recognize a Christ honoring character. That is your job as a church. The church is not to be passive. The church is not to just let things go as members of the local church. It is your responsibility to recognize a Christ-honoring character. Ty and Andre, yours is to pursue a Christ-honoring character. Notice he says deacons likewise must be, they are to mirror the elders. Likewise in spirituality to the elders, in maturity to the elders. There's no, uh, there's, the elders are not more spiritual, more mature than the deacons. The deacons are to be likewise, as mature as the elders. It's a matter of function. Who is supposed to do what? What? They must already have been gripped, these men, must have already been gripped by the glory of Christ, such that it is clearly displayed in their lives for the church to see. You don't give this office as a popularity contest and everyone votes. You don't give this office in the hopes that they grow to fit the character, And in fact, this is the model of many churches today. They try and get you to serve before you even know what they believe or the kind of character that they have. Because they think that by having someone committed to service, they're roped in and now you're in our church. No, that's not how it works. The Bible says we look for faithfulness. Faithfulness first. So he says likewise. He says it must be. Just as the elders must be beyond reproach, the deacons must also be beyond reproach. That is the word there for reproach means that they don't have handles to bring them down. There's no claim against them. Now here are the qualifications. This is so important because of lack of a character. Notice in verse 6 and 7 as he's talking about um, elders, verse 6 and 7 he says... And not a new convert so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So important is character for the deacon and for the elders that uh, we know that someone is going to be very vulnerable to an attack. Satanic attack. Why? Because when Satan wants to destroy the church, he goes after its leaders. Yes, he does. He attacks them with trial after trial after trial. So to protect. As one author says, to protect the credibility of the gospel and the reputation of the local church from public ridicule, Paul insisted that the church's elders and deacons be above reproach, morally and spiritually. What are we talking about? We're talking about a season of growth. We're not talking about perfection. No one's there until we get to glory. Is there this season of growth in this man? Does he serve when it's hard? Not when it's easy. When it's hard. Is he still there or does he fly at the first sign of difficulty or trial? These men have to be dignified. He says men of dignity. The definition there are his attitudes and conduct must win the admiration of others. Someone who is respectable, well thought of. Worthy of respect, they must have a respectable lifestyle, blameless, certified by public testimony. Someone well regarded by the church in the New Testament, trusted. You know, you notice what the deacons did in the New Testament, they were trusted to care for widows, widows who are in their most vulnerable state, they're crushed. They're financially needy. They, they were called to care for widows and to manage charitable donations. They were given money. We, we don't have like Venmo like we do. You know. We could just kind of give online and stuff. They actually would give cash to these deacons who would administer to it. And that's why it was very easy. You had to have trustworthy men because you get people who skim off the top. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I have been given... By God's grace, I've had godly leadership in my life. And I haven't had to face any of that. I have seen some folks fall and everything. But I, by, for the most part, I have had some very, very godly men in my life. And I have seen it. But there has been some many ungodly men in many churches. And many Christians have been crushed under the weight of it. Because why? They are the leaders. So these men have to be dignified. They have to have a respectable lifestyle. They have to be truthful. They can't be, it says the Bible says, not double-tongued. What does that mean? They can't be duplicitous in their speech. They can't say one thing to another and be, say another thing to someone else. They can't be two-faced. Because someone who does, we cannot give our trust to, someone who has a duplicitous speech, who speaks in both, out of, we say it this way, you speak out of both sides of your mouth. That's how we say it, right? It harms relationships. It harms trust. It's incredibly crucial as de- deacons are often the go-betweens between the elders and the congregation. So often the way it would work, if you, would, if you were just to imagine with me, if there is a family that's in need, the elders would assess the need and ask the deacons, would you please assess the need? Is the, God, is the man really not being able to find work? How is, what are their needs? What are the, what are the utilities? Are, what is the mortgage? Is this really a need? Or is it someone who just doesn't want to work? Because believe me, there are people who just don't want to work and suck off the church. Yes. And so what we have is we have these deacons who are able to handle in confidence these kinds of things. And to be able to speak to these things. You need someone who says it like it is. They can't be someone who is loose with the truth and who will not command respect or trust or or vulnerability to those who he aims to serve. Third, he has to be sober. He's got to be sober. He can't be addicted to much wine. Now, what this is saying is it doesn't say that he can't drink wine. This is not saying that this is a prohibition against all alcohol whatsoever. He's saying that he cannot be someone who has an excessive use of wine, or I would add, any other controlled substance that would hinder self-control. One who is enslaved to alcohol or any other controlled substance displays a lack of spirit-controlled life. It shows someone who has not given themselves Uh, has not yielded themselves to the control of Christ. They can't be a closet alcoholic. Someone who's not worthy of respect and not qualified for the church office. This person also has to be untouchable. I say untouchable in this sense. Um, Untouchable, I remember um, uh, during the years of Prohibition, Elliot Ness I don't know if you guys remember it, uh, Elliot Ness. He had a group of his guys and they would go after Al Capone and they would call themselves the untouchables. And the reason why they were called the untouchables was because they could not be bribed. And so these men who are called deacons have to be the kind of men who cannot be bribed. Who cannot be bought by their own lust for money. They can't be fond of sordid gain. You could even call fond of sordid gain, you could even uh, paraphrase that to greedy for money. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. As we were saying, deacons are often trusted with funds to help with the members of the church. This trust can be broken and taken advantage of by trying to acquire financial gain at someone else's expense. Nowadays, greedy leaders can take advantage of folks by accessing bank accounts, inheritances, insurance policies to help himself. For the glory of Christ and the protection of the church. He must not be fond of sword and gain. He has to be resolved. He has to be resolved. He says, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. The word there, mystery of the faith, does not mean something mysterious, nebulous, ambiguous. Something that you can't figure out. An enigma. He's not saying that. What he is saying is the mystery of the faith is something that was a revealed secret. It was the divine plan and purpose of God which was previously hidden and inaccessible and now it is known. He says they are someone who holds to the mystery of the faith, articular faith. He doesn't say a faith, he says the faith. Why does he say the faith? The faith is the systematized body of truth by which we call ourselves Christians. If you subscribe to this body of truth, this is Christian faith. And he holds to it. They hold to the church's statement of faith, their distinctives, and the philosophy of ministry. They're not going around saying, hey, I'm going to teach something else, teach teach something different. I believe uh, Christ is, they don't say, I believe Christ is a superman, but not fully man and fully God. They don't say, well, I'm going to secretly teach it in my home group. They hold to the mystery of faith says with a clear conscience they know the truth they have an inner awareness of the moral quality of their own actions that i must be consistent with what i teach i have an alarm in my head that is my conscience and i have to calibrate it closer and closer to scripture i want my my faith and my life to match I want my conduct to match with the truth I say I believe. I want my life to match with the doctrine I say I believe. I hold the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. And they must be seasoned, the Bible says. He says, and let these, it's quite interesting, let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons. You notice the order let them be tested and then let them serve as deacons right the word there for tests is the word for test and approve to see its genuineness its authenticity and what god is calling the church of god to do is to make as one author says a critical examination of something to determine its genuineness to put to test, to examine all officers of the local church must be formally and publicly examined the cost is too great it is the unity of the church that is at stake It is the glory of Christ. It is the growth of the church. It is our influence to the world. These must be solid men. Not perfect, I say again. But men who when they are confronted with their sin, they confess and repent. Men who have a season of growth, a season of self-control, a season of temperate, uh, of a temperate life. Who tests them? You gotta think. Do I have a 300-question examination that I give to Ty and to and to Andre? No, you test them. RBC, you test them. The church tests them, and we don't test them with a test that is so easy to kind of download information and then they have to just kind of just write it with multiple choice no you test them by their words and their life you see how they serve you observe when it's difficult you watch their reactions when when it's 110 degrees out and the AC goes down how are we going to serve the people of God? You see if they freak out. <laughs> if they freak out when we, all of a sudden we don't have a building. Right? You watch. Why? Because God develops these men to a point of maturity. How? How does he do this? He saves them. He changes them and from immaturity they are discipled and they grow and people speak into their lives and they are teachable and they learn. And as the, it's a beautiful thing. As they grow in doctrine, their life becomes more in conformity to Christ. And you just see this wonderful thing that God has done. The person that they are today is not the person they were five years ago, ten years ago. It is obvious that God has. Has had their hand on them. I remember uh, Spurgeon was talking about the giftedness in preaching, and he said, and I always say this because I always go back to it, it's so much wisdom in the way Spurgeon said it. He goes, I would rather trust the judgment of the church on its assessments of my gifts than myself. Why? Because we can be so self deceived. I'm ready, I'm ready. No, you may not be ready. And it's blaring to everyone else and you don't know. And yet God says there is a season when the church will see and notice. And that's called the testing. They look to see if he's respectful, truthful, sober, sound in doctrine and life. A good husband, if married, Tie. A good father, I had to say that, bro, because I have to, we have to clear something up. When we get to the husband's part, we'll, we'll clear something up, okay? A good father and a good manager of the home. Then the church, by faith, once they see that, must take its step in faith and promote to the office of deacon. You might have been burned so many times. Christian, I know. There's many of you come and I've heard some of your stories. It's awful stories, I went to this church, and this person hurt me, and this person, some, some of this abuse happens and everything. I know. I understand. I don't want to make light of it. I understand, okay? But this is not that church that you came from, okay? And by God's grace, we are desiring to glorify Christ. And sometimes you get so gun-shy in promoting folks that you never do it, So much so that you have this list of qualifications that surpass 1 Timothy 3 that even Christ himself wouldn't even be promoted. This is where the church must say we have seen, we have tested, we know their doctrine, we have asked them several questions. It's time to step in faith. They're already, notice he says, to be tested Let them serve as deacons, they've already doing the work of a deacon. How do you know that you should promote them? They're already doing it. They don't wait for the title. They don't wait for the recognition. They understand the weight of what's happening. I have to serve Christ. The body needs to be edified. i got to be in this place. Why? Because i got to see Christ glorified in the lives of His people. And I want to be part of it. And even though I'm exhausted from work and my commute, I've got to be part of it. Why? Because the sheep... Mean that much to Christ. It should mean that much to you. Amen. All the church must know. And test and enforce this. You must all enforce this. This is precisely why. We gave you guys. Because I went on vacation. We gave you guys five weeks. Do you remember. He says we are presenting Ty and we're presenting Andre. All of the members, if there is an accusation of where they, they do not meet this qualification, please let us know. Do you remember when we said that? And we let you have this time to say that. And we, we haven't heard one thing. So we are going forward in Faith. Candidates for deacons is not a private decision made by a few people. We present as elders and you ratify as a congregation or opt not to ratify. Here's an example of a biblical test. I see that this candidate was drunk and abuses alcohol. Okay, that is a biblical accusation. Here's an accusation that is not biblical. I don't like him. I don't like the way he is. I don't like his beard, right? That's not, that's not a biblical, do you see what I'm saying? That is not a biblical accusation. I love your beard, tie. I love it. (laughs) I wish I could grow it. Okay. And then he says, if they are beyond reproach, as we were saying, they cannot be pulled down. So, RBC, you are to appoint, encourage, and pray for your deacons. The way you do this, you must first recognize a Christ-honoring character. You notice here, the qualifications are character, 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 character. Not flashiness. Right? Not charismatic, uh, not a charismatic leader. Not someone who um, who can flatter people. Character. Character, 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 character. Now, recognize... Christ-honoring character. Second, recognize a Christ-honoring home life. Recognize a Christ-honoring home life. This is how he protects you, church. He protects you by giving you the opportunity and the responsibility to pick your officers. Ty and Andre, you are to pursue a Christ-honoring home life. Continue to pursue In his marriage, verse 11, women must likewise. Now, before we get into this section, there's a lot of debate about who these women are. And I differ from other men who are godly. This is not an area where I would divide over fellowship. Okay? Whether or not these women are deaconesses or wives of deacons. This is what we, in RBC, we hold this as wives of deacons. It does not discount the the. Uh, the vital and vibrant roles of women in the ministries of the church clearly a woman does not need to be a recognized deacon to participate in mercy or service ministries or to be part of a team that serves others my life has been personally influenced to follow christ closer because of the faithful ministries of women in the local church Also, this is not a teaching to divide fellowship over as well, as I was was saying. Many good men differ on us, on our positions, as to whether these are deacons' wives or deaconesses. Now, here's my basis for deacons' wives. I don't have much time to give a technical response, but I'm going to just give you the reason why I think it's deacons' wives. The word there for wife means, uh, the word there for wives is the word... Gaina, which is for wife or woman. There's no qualifying word or definite article to identify this woman. For deacons, it is the deacons. For the woman, it is there's no article. And in fact, if this was a person who was to be recognized, they would probably have that article. Especially since it was referring to church officials. The word also um, for deacons does have a feminine uh, a feminine uh, form of the word, and that can be used in regards to the office. But Paul doesn't use it here, which is interesting. He does use it in reference to the general term of Phoebe in Romans chapter sixteen, but he doesn't use it here. It's interesting, right? In fact for this wife there's no there's no parallel of qualifications there's no also this one qualification of the wife of one husband so it doesn't make sense to have a man who is a husband of one wife but a wife who is not a wife of one husband right There's no parallel parallel of all of the qualifications that a deacon has for the wife. There's a specific word used for male deacons in verses 8 and 10 and verse 12. But there's not a specific word used for a female deacon. And the placement of wives fit in nicely, right? Right where it is with family life. If you notice, he says, they must be tested. Let them serve as deacons. Women must be likewise, be dignified, not malicious gossips. Verse 12, deacons must be husbands of only one wife. So it seems to indicate that it is family. He's talking about the family life. So what does he mean here? And those are the reasons why I think it means deacons, wives. What does he mean here? He's talking about character. This husband needs to skillfully know how to encourage his wife in Christ's likeness. His wife must be dignified. It is, that's an identical word. Well thought of. Someone who is commanding respect in the home and in the church. She has to be one who is not a malicious gossip. She cannot be a slanderer. And why? Because she's going to be handling information that is sensitive and confidential in the local church. Brothers and sisters, ministry is messy sometimes. There are heartbreaks and hurts and sin. And the pressure of all of that falling on the deacons, as the wife hears of these things, she cannot be someone who is a slanderer, who's going to open up her mouth and tell everyone, everyone's dirty laundry, when we're still trying to work through it in redemption. She's got to be someone who commands respect. She can't be someone who's spreading lies, false rumors, gossips, damaging others. She can't be someone who's on social media, blasting people. She can't be someone who's angry, jealous, bitter, always thinking about her wounded feelings. Because she has access to sensitive information. She has to be temperate. She has to be sober-minded. She has to be someone who's worthy of respect, self-controlled, level-headed, free from debilitating excesses. She's influential on her husband and she must be able to weather the storms and problems of ministry. She has to be faithful in all things. His wife has to be dependable, reliable, trustworthy. He cannot be faithful in the ministries that he does. The pressure is too much, let me tell you. The pressure is too much. And he needs a wife who is going to help him in that ministry. In their commitment to Christ, his word and his heart. And her husband and her family and the church and, it, and her witness to outsiders in all relationships and all responsibilities. Every aspect of the life of a deacon's wife is marked by faithfulness, by dependability and reliability. So that she is worthy of respect and is a blessing to the whole church. You okay, Marlo? You alright? Okay. We're going to pray for you too. We're going to have you come up too, okay? Strauch says this, Alexander Strauk says in his uh, landmark book on deacons, he says, a godly wife will greatly enhance her husband's reputation as a deacon. She'll be one of the most important influences on his development of Christ-like character and his work in the church. You've got to be together on this. You have to. Husbands of only one wife... This mirrors that of the elders. Some folks think it's one wife in a lifetime, even though their wife died. Or some folks think that one that has been divorced and remarried excludes a man from being an elder or deacon. Or some think that a deacon or elder has to be married. That's not true, Ty. It's not true. What it does mean is it's an idiom of a positive virtue of fidelity in marriage. It is something... In the guy where he's faithful to his wife. The characteristic of being devoted exclusively to your spouse. It's already demonstrated. He's a one woman type of man. He's faithful and true to his wife. He's not involved in marital infidelity, womanizing, unbiblical divorce and remarriage or cohabiting. He guards and protects and cultivates his marriage. He's a man who loves and dates his wife. If you're not dating your wife we're not looking at you as a candidate for a deacon or elder. We don't see that as you're not cultivating that relationship in your marriage. The enemy wants to destroy the church and a key strategy of the enemy is to attack marriages. You have to know this. It's to protect the credibility of the church's witness and to protect the church from ravenous, lustful men, this must be enforced by the congregation and by its leaders. In his children, in his children, boy, it's twelve o'clock. I gotta. I better hustle, huh? In his children, uh, if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? Strug also says the spiritual quality of individual households in the local church significantly affect the spiritual quality of the larger household of God, the local church. If the individual households of the elders and deacons are dysfunctional, the larger church will also be dysfunctional and will project a pathetic witness to society. He has to be a good manager of his children. He cannot be passive... He cannot be uninterested in the lives of his children and their interests. He cannot be neglectful of their needs. He has to provide for them financially, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. He cares and helps for their education, spiritual growth, and judgment. He invests in healthy relationships with the children. This is not, again, this is not perfection. Every family has problems. Every family does. What does the man do? is he passive or is he working to solve it is he aiming for redemption is he aiming for someone to come to repentance and to confess and repent and forgive and to have reconciliation in his household every Over all aspects of his house. So I'm going to keep going. RBC to appoint and encourage and pray for your deacons. You have to recognize a Christ honoring character. You have to recognize a Christ honoring home life. And third you have to recognize a Christ honoring reward. For you deacons Ty and Andre. It says for those who have served well as deacons. Obtain for themselves a high standing. This is your reward. This high standing is not something that's something that's over other people. Rather, it's a high standing of a good reputation that as you serve, seek to serve God in the difficulties, you will be held in high regard in the church. You will have higher standing, a higher standing, a greater influence, and greater authority in the church as you seek to glorify Him. And then it says, in great confidence in the faith... That it is in Christ Jesus. This means. That as you grow as deacons. Your personal faith in Christ grows. Because you start to see his provision. And his working in the lives of others. As he redeems folks. As he changes them. As he causes them to be more and more conformed to his image. Even in the problems. And in the sin. And in the. Heartache and disappointment. You start to see you have a great confidence. Your reward is you have greater confidence. And boldness and courage. Your hearts are enlarged and strengthened to do even more for Christ. And notice it's all in Christ. It always is in Christ. Brothers. Brothers. This is all him. He saved you. He changed you. He is changing you. He gave you these gifts to exercise it for his glory. We're just recognizing what you're already doing. You're already doing it. So as the church sees the leadership take great steps of faith for the gospel, they in turn take great steps of faith because you have more boldness to do so. So this is how God cares for his people. RBC. Appoint your deacons for his glory. Imagine what we can do for his name as he builds his church in his timing, in his way, amidst all the trials, God does the work. Amen? Amen? Ty? Why don't you come up? Andre, why don't you come up? Marlo, why don't you come up and hold his hand? Because he's about to cry. No, just bring him up, Jeremy. Why don't you come on up? You guys come over here. Marlo, are you sure? I'm here. I'm here (laughs) for him. Are you sure? All right. When you first started, you didn't have white hair, Dre. Yeah. Why? What happened, man? Getting old. We're getting old. All right. All right. We're going to pray for you guys. Ty, are you ready? Jerry, you want to put your hand on your... Oh, what's that? Oh, you... a microphone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you pray for him? And then I'll pray for Dre. And... Father, again, we are so thankful to be gathered here today, and we're so thankful to see what Christ is doing uh, right here in this local body we we lift up this day and we we rejoice uh, both of these men and and their their families and just all that's going on all that we cannot control we see Christ working we see Mm. you're doing what you said you would do
0: yes yes Lord
1: so Lord, I, I want to specifically pray for for Ty. I'm so thankful for what You're doing in his life, and I'm excited, and I look forward to see, seeing what You're going to do. And Lord, that You would use him in our local body and even beyond. We know this is bigger than bigger than these walls here. God, would You just guard his heart and his mind? Yes. Would you continue to grow him in maturity and faith? And would you bless this church mightily because of because of his actions, because of his attitudes, because of his heart for Christ, his heart for these people? Mm-hmm. Bless both these men, Lord. Bless this church, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I borrow that? Oh, I have a mic. It's on my face. <laughs> Father, we just
0: pray for... I want to pray for Andre. God, how he loves you. He's been serving you for close to 30 30 years, God. Lord, he just desires to learn and grow and to honor you. Father, I pray you too would protect him. May he continue to love you and his Wife and his family and his church. Continue to keep him faithful. May he, even as the text says, may he grow in confidence in what Christ is going to do. Let him see that both of them, Dre and Ty, we pray. Pray for Marlo. Lord, would you help her with the stresses of ministry? God, may she bear up under it. Would you be her strength and her, and her fortitude, we pray. Bind them together. And Lord, I pray that they would keep on dating, keep on loving each other, keep on enjoying life together, God. Uh, I, I want to pray for Ty. I, I just want to pray for our godly wife. Lord, I pray you would bring her quickly, Father, uh, so that she would augment his ministry. Someone who could run with him, Lord. We pray. We pray for these things. We love them all dearly. Would you use them greatly in Jesus' name? And the church of God said, Amen.